Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, January 21st, 2020, and I'm your host, Arielle Taylor, with my co-hosts, Lavendar and Anastasia. And just to remind you, we have changed our format to every other Tuesday, so our next show after tonight will be February 4th. It will always be on Tuesday. And this allows us more time to focus on our clients. Our next two Starseed Quest to Arkansas will be March 20th through the 23rd for Spring Equinox and Athena's birthday, and then again for Pleiadian Lineup on May 15th through the 18th. This is a soul family reunion, and you must have at least one galactic degree on your chart um, to qualify, and we have just a few spots left. So if you feel the call to join us, just email crystals at starseedhotline.com, and we'll get you going. Our special guest this evening is Danielle McFarlane, who has fulfilled her promise to our dear departed sister, Samantha. Canadian-born Samantha Lynn Dixon always marched to the beat of her own drum, and she moved with grace, presence, and purpose. Her art was expressed through dancing, baking, cooking, and the way she lived her life. And while Samantha Lynn blended in, she never felt that she fit in. She wasn't just here to go through the motions of human existence. She came with purpose, with a mission to fulfill. The Seed is a captivating account of Samantha Lynn's experiences of being watched over and guided by off-planet beings residing in alternate dimensions of time and space. Connection to these beings are what brought Danielle and Samantha Lynn together. The two met in the final stages of Sam's life, and knowing she was running out of time and energy, she handed Danielle the baton to complete her final mission, the publication of her story. The Seed talks about information long kept secret, yet Sam's account of her dance through this life is posthumously empowering to others on galactic missions. Danielle's role in ensuring the publication of The Seed has helped her embrace her own encounters with high strangeness. This book is a must-read for all starseeds, so buckle up and prepare to be activated. You can find The Seed online at Amazon, and the very lengthy link is on our show page, or you can just search on Amazon for The Seed by Samantha Lynn. At the top of the show, it's Anastasia's Starseed News, bringing topics of interest to starseeds not heard in the mainstream. And we'd like to thank Kathy, Jada, and Fiona for hosting the switchboard tonight for those who may have a question or comment. We have an online starseed community at starseedhotline.ning.com, and it's a safe place to connect with other starseeds thanks to Tammy's helpful dedication. And you can download our shows on iTunes or right here on Blog Talk. If you'd like to show your support of our program, please just click follow on our page here, and you'll get our weekly show notices if you enable those. Our main website is starseedhotline.com. The Stage 1 Starseed Confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings and your natal astrological chart, 
And the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one -on -one phone session available with Lavendar, Anastasia, or myself, and coming soon with Rebecca also. And please be aware that due to a massive global starseed activation, our waiting lists are at about six months until we get our new astrologers trained. It's great news for the planet, but we need to expand our team to meet the demand. And if you have a birthday coming up, don't miss out on your 10 hours of power. You can find out when that happens by requesting your solar return timing, and that only takes a few days. But if you want the stage two interpretation of that chart, you'll need to order at least six months ahead of your birthday so that you'll get it in before your 10 hours starts. So first up tonight, I'd like to introduce Anastasia with her wonderful, popular, fascinating Starseed News. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Good evening, Ariel. Hello, everybody. It's great to be with you. We have lots of news, you know, now that we're two weeks apart, so I better get into this right now. Well, okay. NASA, pre <laughs> NASA predicted two huge cosmic fly flybys yesterday, and sure enough, they happened. You know, the new year is bringing in, in with it new asteroid th threats. Um, we've already had a busy uh, period of near-Earth object approaches uh, to our planet, but the first one they identified was 2020 AQ1. It was only first spotted on the 11th of January. Now, happily, the 755-foot diameter space rock passed by yesterday at a mere 0.026 astronomical units from Earth. That's only 2.5 million miles from the planet's core at a speed of 61,500 miles per hour. Now, that asteroid's going to head out into the Milky Way, but they say it's going to make another loop around and come back this way on the 23rd of August, 2104. They tell us that if an object of that size and velocity were to hit the Earth, it could level an entire city instantly. Ooh. And the next to follow yesterday was 2013 DU. That was estimated to be up about, oh, I don't know, 308 feet in diameter. It was going kind of slow. It was only going 14,000 miles per hour. But it passed the Earth at a safe distance of 0.083 astronomical units, or 3.5 million miles. Now, it, there have been identified 21,655 near-Earth asteroids and 109 near-Earth comets, all of which they say pose a potential threat. However, as shown by space rocks, which the one that just passed, many of these are only discovered a few days ahead of time. There are many more, they say, undiscovered um, possible dangers lurking out in space. It's just very active up there, lots of space rocks flying around. And uh, did a meteorite start a fire and leave a small crater in Florida? That's the question people are asking. A ball of fire in the sky, and then boom, a small crater left behind. Uh, people, witnesses of the pro and owners of the property say that something had to hit the fence, Something had to have been hot enough to set trees on fire and burn the side of a building. Now, nobody knows what it was. Um, this happened in Holmes Beach, Florida. They said that all of a sudden a fire started. There was a fireball in the sky. Nobody know what it was. We figure it was a meteor, but we're not sure. So, And also in Sarasota, shortly before midnight last Thursday, a Sarasota resident reported to media that she saw a few huge fireball streak across the sky. She was uh, looking out the window. She saw what looked like a comet with a tail going horizontally through the sky. She said it was awesome. 
Well, the American Meteorological Society had at least 25 reported sightings of the fireball all over the South Coast in Florida and even as far away as Georgia and Alabama. Fireballs in the sky and meteors shooting past us. We've had a few earthquakes, and I'm not going to report all of them, but we did have a 6.4 that injured some people in China. There were 10 aftershocks above the magnitude of 3. The highest one was 5.2. The tremor destroyed more than 1,000 houses and, they say, 7,000 meters of walls. Why they would record walls, I don't know, but maybe this particular area of China has a lot of walls. That's a lot of buildings, so 1,000 houses. Um, there was a, an earthquake in uh, the South Sandwich Islands, Pacific Ring of Fire, a 6.2, and a 6.0 in Papua, Indonesia. Uh, so that's been happening. And then we had in Florida, back to Florida we go, a mystery. At least 20 dead birds were discovered just recently. Uh, the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission said that they're looking into the issue. They don't recommend touching any of these birds without gloves People are picking them up, and uh, they're telling people not to touch them. They don't know if it's a virus or what has caused the death of these birds in Matlacha, Isles, Florida. Oh, man. Uh, Australia's really had it. Now, after the fires, or maybe in co uh, conjunction with the fires, they are having apocalyptic dust storms. They're just sweeping across the drought-stricken areas of Australia. It happened over the weekend. They had thunder and giant hail that battered them. Extreme weather patterns collided in the bushfire-fatigued nation. Now, the southern city of Melbourne was lashed by enormous hailstones late Sunday night, and fire ravaged parts of Victoria overnight. And after that, they got heavy rainfall, which gave them new extreme weather alerts. Now, since October, Australia has been overwhelmed by an unprecedented bushfire season, which they say has been made worse by climate change. Now, swaths of this country have burned. Hundreds of millions, some say a billion animals have died, more than 2,000 houses destroyed, and, and, and dozens of lives lost. And um, they captured images of this on the Internet, this this massive dust storm. It's unbelievable. These pictures of the fires are unbelievable. And then enter these dust storms. They are brilliant orange, enormous walls of dust and sand. Uh, wow. Anyway, locals reported that they were in darkness in the middle of the day from this dust rolling oh. through the outback towns. And then from fire to flood. Then flash flooding hit the, go the Gold Coast. Uh, Brisbane, uh, storms swept over Queensland in Australia. Uh, these storms were dangerous. They were described as a one-in-100-year event. Ah, they dumped heavy rain, caused flash flooding in parts of Brisbane and the Gold Coast. Flash flooding and emergency services had to carry out swift water rescues of people trapped in their cars. That poor continent, what they have gone through. Wow. wow. I mean, wow. you know, you look at the fo photos of this, it's just jaw-dropping. Well, um, let's go to the North Atlantic Current. Uh, they say a region of the North Atlantic, south of Greenland, has experienced some of its coldest temperatures on record in recent years. This is a cooling unprecedented in the last 1,000 years. Now, this current is slowing 
a climatologist at Penn State University, explains that this phenomenon may be an indication that the North Atlantic current, part of the larger global ocean circulation, is slowing down. Melting ice from Greenland, they say, largely explains this change, according to experts who say we're 50 to 100 years ahead of schedule with the slowdown of this ocean circulation pattern relative to the models we have had at hand. The more observations we get, the more sophisticated our models become. But the more we're learning that things can happen faster, now we know with greater magnitude than we predicted just a year ago. Hmm. East Africa has got locusts, and boy, do they. The most serious outbreak of locusts in 25 years is spreading across East Africa with a single swarm covering an area one and a half times the size of Greater London. Unusual climate conditions are partly to blame for the plague, which is posing an unprecedented threat to food security in some of the world's most vulnerable countries. These insects are devouring crops, with Kenya one of the worst countries to be affected. One swarm measured 37 miles by 25 miles in the country's northeast. Now, this is not a few bugs. We are talking in blackout. And a spokesman wow. for the country's inter- intergovernmental authority on development, I don't know what that has to do with thing, but anyway, he said a typical desert locust swarm can contain up to 150 million locusts per square kilometer. Swarms migrate with the wind and can cover 150 kilometers a day. An average swarm can destroy as much food crops in a day, sufficient to feed 2,500 people. Whoa. Wow. Well, let's come back to the States for a minute. Jackson Hole Resort in Wyoming is reporting record snowfall. They got 11 feet in 15 days. They say that with more than 11 feet of snow blanketing the Tetons since the 1st of January, 2020 conditions at Jackson Hole Mountain Resort in Wyoming are reported to be some of the snowiest of all time. 134 inches of snow fell on the upper mountain in the first fortnight of the new decade, and the resort's current base depth of 91 inches make this January the deepest ever in the resort's history. And in Fiji, let's go into the ocean for a bit. We're going to talk about the Pacific Uh, There are people missing and 3,000 shelters damaged, or excuse me, I beg your pardon, 3,000 shelters opened as Cyclone Tino has struck Fiji. Now, this Cyclone Tino strengthened to a Category 3 on Saturday as it closed in on Tonga after battering Fiji, where two people were missing, and more than 3,000, I'm sorry, 3,000 people fled to emergency shelters. There were not 3,000 shelters. 3,000 people. I don't suppose you could put 3,000 shelters on Fiji. It's a pretty little place. (laughs) 3,000 people fled to, what shall we say, maybe what, 15 shelters? I don't know. Anyway, let me get that straight. But nevertheless, that's a serious thing for it. When you're on an island and a cyclone comes at you, you don't have very many places to go. So I hope all is well there. And uh, the Tal Volcano uh, near the Philippine capital of uh, 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 Manila, sorry, uh, is erupting. It has emitted more ash clouds uh, this late last Saturday, uh, and they say it's going to erupt again. The ash and steam explosions uh, are continuing. They say that uh, volcanic quakes and the drying of the crater lake 
and other signs indicate that the magma is moving. So it's at alert level four, and they're indicating a hazardous explosive eruption is possible in the very near future. So they're on alert there in the Philippines with the Tal volcano. I've never mentioned this volcano before. This is one that I'm not familiar with, um, so, and I, I haven't mentioned it. So this is a new one on our list. Well, here's a story from spaceweather.com, and I think it's a very important one. Um, last time we talked, or maybe the time before, maybe you remember, Ariel, but it was a story about uh, an electric current in the ground at Norway. Was that last time? I think that might have been yeah. the last news. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, and it was strange, and it was unexplained. Well, this is a related story, and uh, they've discovered that there's been a powerful magnetic explosion three times uh, closer than normal. In fact, it came right to Earth's doorstep. Uh, now, this comes from the excellent spaceweather.com, and they have the news that on December 20th, 2015, a powerful explosion occurred closer to Earth than anyone had seen before. Now, this is way back, mind you, but it has taken more than four years to fully figure this out. And they have found, uh, they figured it out, and they published their results uh, just this week in the edition of Nature Physics. Well, they discovered that explosions in the Earth's magnetic field, well, they happen all the time, but uh, gusts of solar wind press against Earth's magnetosphere, squeezing the lines of magnetic force together. Now, the lines will crisscross and reconnect, literally exploding and propelling high-energy particles toward the Earth. And auroras are the afterglow of this process. But they say that uh, these explosions generally happen at least 100,000 miles from the Earth, far downstream in our, mag in our planet's magnetic uh, tail. This is according to the study's lead author. But on the December 20th, 2015, they discovered that there was a reconnection event only 30,000 miles away, three times closer than normal. And they say they discovered this because NASA's uh, Themis spacecraft was able to pinpoint this explosion, uh, explosion's location. It was on hand at the right time and in the right place. It showed that this event, what they call a reconnection event, uh, poses a, a previously overlooked threat to Earth-orbiting satellites. Now, this blast caused a strong G2 uh, G2-class geomagnetic storm and auroras around the Arctic Circle. But before this event, Many researchers argued that reconnection at this close proximity to the Earth was utterly impossible, that the Earth's magnetic field was too stable for such explosions. That's what they've been asserting for years. But they say, now we know better. This really happened, and this is going to make a big impact on future studies of geomagnetic storms. Bottom line, our universe is electromagnetic and Earth's magnetosphere is waning fast. In line with historically low solar activity and an ongoing magnetic excursion and reversal, space weather events that would have normally passed by unnoticed are having an increasingly bigger impact here on the ground. Bottom line, our modern grid-dependent civilization is entering uncertain times. Now, what happened recently with the ground in Norway, we have to ask, you know, is this somehow connected to the upper atmosphere, the electrical nature of the atmosphere, 
what's going on. So these are things I think perhaps, you know, a lot of this is really deep science, and I'm not anywhere near in this area of expertise, and some of this can be hard to understand. Some of you out there listening to me will understand it very well. Um, But I suspect that uh, there's a lot going on here, and um, there's a lot of changes in the magnetosphere of the planet as well as uh, the mag- you know just the magnetic field in general which may be saying one and the same thing i'm not sure <laughs> okay let's <laughs> let's move on to health before i say anything else about that um they have discovered that the human body temperature has declined steadily over the past 160 years now everybody knows this number by heart just about our bodies are supposed to be an average 98.6 degrees but they say that number is now outdated This is according to a new analysis of body temperature records going back to 1860. Now, this study suggests that the body temperature of the average U.S. man has dropped since the Civil War, and a similar drop was found in women. Other studies have already established these newer, lower baselines. In other words, doctors are beginning to recognize that uh, 98.6 is running a little high for people today. The new research suggests, however, that the original number established in the 1850s was indeed correct. It was right. There, <laughs> you know, the fact that it's dropping doesn't mean that there's faulty thermometers. That 98.6 was right, and body temperature in the population is simply declining. Now, the question is why. This article said it was because we have improved... And antibiotics, and we have improved immunity, and we have so on and so forth. But, you know, many people out there who know something about health might want to question that supposition. It might be just the opposite. Rather than be a reflection of improved health, it may very well be a reflection of not being so healthy. So that's just something to be keep in mind. Uh, anyway, that's a lot of starseeds, by the way, have a lower body temperature, as well as a lower blood pressure. Is that not correct, Arielle? that been your experience well uh, so far but i don't i mean i'm i, I, I don't mean, have you know, the, I mean, uh, the data for the whole planet 100 percent given but a lot of times i talk to star seeds who generally run their their blood pressure runs a little lower and their body temperature runs just a little bit lower not always but um anyway uh the average person um is also dropping which makes me wonder are star seeds dropping too so i would be interested to know if some of you are getting a lower body temperature than you used to have. I wonder if that might be related to electromagnetic interference or just a little curiosity I have. If you notice your body temperature dropping and it's normally lower and it's going lower still, I wish you would drop me an email, Anastasia at starseedhotline.com. Okay, I suppose you've heard about this virus out of uh, uh, China. Well, it's it's uh, the World Health Organization is convening an emergency committee of experts to decide whether the coronavirus outbreak in China constitutes an international emergency. Asian countries have ramped up their preventions to block the spread of this virus as the death toll in China has risen. The number of cases discovered, not deaths, just the cases reported, have risen to 300. And uh, they're concerned that this is going to spread worldwide. It has gone from Australia to Thailand and as far as India. And now uh, airports are checking up, uh, stepping up their uh, examination of temperatures or checking for fevers uh, 
uh, and pa- uh, passengers at airports. And they say that this is a SARS-like coronavirus, far more, endang- far more dangerous, however. So uh, Thailand and Japan have now con- confirmed cases in the last few days. And all of these people who have uh, reported getting this have come from this particular Chinese city. You know, they, uh, they haven't said anything about imposing quarantine on that city, but it might not be a bad idea. The WHO has said that it's an animal source that is most likely to be the origin of the outbreak. Who knows? All right, to conclude tonight, I think this is worth our time. Twelve things that happy people do that unhappy people do not. Number one, happy people focus on what they have and not what they don't. Unhappy people are rather unthankful people. The practice of counting our blessings is where we need to start. Write down all the good things in life. Often often unhappiness will sneak in once we lose sight of all the good things in our lives and become focused on the more difficult aspects. So, focus on what we have and not what we don't. Question the sources of our expectations. Hmm. Well, most unhappy people want things that they don't have, and they want them really badly. And we need to ask ourselves, If we're unhappy, are our expectations realistic? Who is giving us our expectations? (laughs) So question the sources of your expectations. Be generous. Happy people are generous. Selfish people are miserable. Happy people give of their time and resources to a cause greater than themselves. Remember that happiness is not a destination. It's not something that you can possess. It's not an achievement to hold on to. Happiness is learning to enjoy the ride, the curves and the bumps and everything that comes with it. Happiness is not about arrival because happiness is not a possession. It is a state of mind, and all human minds are subject to flux. So we go with the flow. And if we don't like our lives, remember that we can change it. We can take control of our own lives. Now, anybody out there want to play a musical instrument? Well, take lessons. There's really nobody holding us back but ourselves. Another quality of happy people is that they know how to slow down. They say that we can't smell the roses if we're running too fast, so we should get a hobby. Enjoy our friends and family. Happy people have learned how to chill out, how to slow down. Happy people have also figured out that there are no shortcuts. We have to work hard. We have to pursue our dreams. We have to put in effort. Things will not just be handled to us, and that takes us to the next step, which is we should not feel entitled. Happy people know that they're not owed anything. They go make their lives happen with a positive attitude, I might add. Happy people think significantly. Significance is achieved by leaving the world better than we find it. Happy people have learned how to forgive. They know how to forgive those that have hurt them, who have caused any kind of injury, and they know how to forgive themselves. They know how to move on. Happy people know that a great attitude is a choice. It's not a disposition we're born with. 
We have the ability to control our feelings or we can be controlled by them. Happy people choose to have great attitudes. Happy people speak, this is my favorite one, happy people speak life. When they speak, they choose words that uplift, encourage, and bring positive energy into every situation. You know, our moms were right. My mom said, if you don't have something nice to say, you shouldn't say anything at all. (laughs) (laughs) People who have learned to speak life are like fresh air. They share the energy of life force. They provide encouragement. They literally create goodness and life and health and healing as they go. So let's all remember to speak life. Choose words that uplift, as you and Lavendar call it, the up spiral. Choose to encourage and bring positive energy into every situation. And the Dalai Lama said, in closing, in order to carry a positive action, we must develop a positive vision. And as all star seeds know, it all starts with the visioning. So as the world struggles so much under this time of great change, we can make a difference. And we don't have to let it get in there and pull us down. So, And I know all of you are doing that. I know all of you are staying positive. <clears throat> but I wanted to share that, the qualities of happy people. And if you observe, you will notice that Unhappy people really don't do those things. So maybe we could pass along that teaching to somebody who wants to know from us how they might be happy. Maybe we could help them. From my heart to each one of you, much love, and have a beautiful week, couple of weeks, everybody, and we'll talk next time. Thank you, Ariel. Okay, well, thank you so much, Anastasia, for the wonderful Starseed News. And uh, we'll be talking to you again in two weeks from tonight. You bet. Good night, everybody. Okay. Okay. Good night, Anastasia. Well, um, before I bring Lavendar and Danielle on, I'd like to take a few moments to publicly express my deep gratitude for the compassionate kindness and understanding of the Starseed community for bearing with us as we prepare to expand and get through our galactic growing pains. This spring will be the 11th birthday of Starseed Hotline, and as you probably know, um, the 11 is an ascension code, so uh, it's time to take our work to the next level. And until last October, when Rebecca came on board, there was only Lavendar and I doing the Starseed Astrology for a global audience for over 10 years. Anastasia works from your soul path using her highly developed and honed clairvoyant gifts rather than astrology. And the starseeds we've worked with have since gone on to build their own networks of starseeds and have referred many to us, so it's increasing exponentially. You may have heard on our last two shows that we're about to train more astrologers with the starseed aspects because there has been such a massive starseed activation worldwide, bringing the demand for our work to an unprecedented high. And I say this with nothing but love. It's been like a starseed stampede of Mustangs on a mission, if that gives you a visual. In particular, we want to thank Dee of the Consciousness Evolution Journey YouTube channel for the glowing recommendations for our work, which is based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings. Uh, Until we get the new astrologers trained and online, there is at least a six-month waiting list, maybe more, 
so we're doing everything we can to get that down. And I've had so many beautiful emails from those who are waiting for a reading expressing, expressing such kindness and compassionate understanding that there is only so much we can do in a day. And I, again, want to publicly express my profound gratitude to each of you. Even though it's challenging for you to have to wait and for us to try to keep up, this is great news for the planet. Starseeds are waking up in masses around the globe, so just know that you're part of an intricate galactic plan to bring humanity into the light of 5D. And we thank you for being on the planet and for understanding while we lay a new foundation for the next level of empowering starseeds to better serve the planet. So I am going to uh, get Lavendar and Danielle's mics open. Ooh, we got a lot of people on the switchboard tonight, so just give me a minute to scroll down here. Okay, there's Lavendar, and uh, I know, Danielle, I just saw you. Okay, I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling. Um, oh, there you are. Okay, I said there's a lot of people on the switchboard tonight. All right, we are on go. Uh, Danielle, welcome so much to the show. Thank you, Ariel. How are you doing this evening? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. And um, Lavendar, you are ready to go? I'm here. I'm ready. Okay. All right. So take it away. Okay. So, so Danielle, uh, you and I have been very close for many years now, and you've come to many Starseed Quest here in Arkansas. And when the time came, for me to find someone to to assist with Samantha's story, I thought of you first. And the reason I thought of you first was I I felt like that that you were a cosmic sister of of Samantha from from times past and also in this lifetime. So I just wanted to start by saying I appreciate everything that you you have done in the name of the seed, Samantha. I know that uh, you've gone through some. Uh, so many challenges with, you know, getting the book to where it is right now, and I applaud you. I say, bravo, girl, you really took it on, and I and I can't say enough about it. So welcome, and where do you want to start tonight by talking about it? Um, well, I guess I'd like to start by thanking you for connecting Samantha and I. Um, this this whole project has been a tremendous opportunity for growth uh, in so many ways, but when you called me and told me there was a star, star sister in need, um, it was an instant, yes, how can I help? And having the opportunity to meet Samantha and getting to experience her light firsthand uh, was really a blessing. And, you know, sadly, I didn't get to know her very long, but I feel like I knew her very deeply. And being able to work with all of her copies of her manuscript um, since her passing, uh, has helped me feel even closer to her. So thank you for for bringing me in to be part of this whole project. Okay. Yes, thank you. So um, what do you feel was Samantha's goal in, in writing The Seed? What do you think was happening with her to make her stay on this 24-7? Um, I have no doubt that writing The Seed was part of Samantha's mission. Um, it is really clear from having read all the different versions of her manuscript that she didn't really have any investment on, in whether anybody believed what she wrote or not. Uh, she lived these experiences firsthand. She knew they were real, and she wasn't writing this to try and convince anybody of anything. 
And if I can share some of her own words from the book, um, I think nobody can say it better than Samantha herself. Okay. So okay, go ahead. Go ahead. She said, this has been, no doubt, a magical, beautiful life journey so far for me, and I would change nothing about it, not even the challenges I was absolutely certain, I was absolutely certain were going to kill me, including writing this very book, which you hold in your hands. My wish is that what I share may serve as either confirmation of your own experiences that have, as of yet, remained unexplainable, or that it may help open your minds to a new way of seeing the world around you, knowing that, indeed, reality is not always just what we see in front of us. Sometimes and oftentimes, it's what we don't see or aren't yet willing to see. It's where the truth is hidden, patiently awaiting our discovery of it. She says, we all have a voice, a message, and a purpose. Let us always lift one another up rather than tear one another down. We are here to stand together in this. Let us all accept one another and walk together in peace. This is my profound wish for the life of this book, because now is the time. Yeah. Absolutely right. So why don't we talk a little bit about some of the unexplainable experiences or high strangeness that Sam wrote about. You know, whatever comes to mind for you to share, uh, just, you know, um, just tell us. Um, I think it starts early in her childhood. It's, it's, it's fascinating to me that she has so many recollections of being taken aboard ship. Um, she'll, in the book, she describes many encounters with these parental ET figures and these space beings. Uh, she describes being scanned and attending this ET school where she was taken regularly to um, learn galactic math with numbers that were different than what she was being taught here on Earth. And the biology she learned taught her the differences between you know, our, our earthly human bodies and ET bodies and how they were tuned to different frequencies, um, how ET bodies are steadier and they, they hold a more consistent light quotient. Uh, and it's fascinating to read her descriptions of her classmates who you know, being from different ET races, some of them being mantis and some grays and little blue beans and all sorts of hybrid varieties, you know, some with these big humanoid eyes and some with more alien-looking features. Um, and she also descri described some of the communication she she received being as, uh, like, tones that were almost telepathically uh, translated into English for her to understand. Yeah. So... You know, some yeah, of the, the some of the things that she talked to me about uh, were happening also with other women, and I told her that I said you're not alone on this journey. There's a lot of, of people that are experiencing aboard ship uh, activities, especially with these hybrid children, being able to. Um, a lot of a lot of women have told me that, you know, they're they're pregnant. They go to the doctor. Um, they do a sonogram and see that they're pregnant, they go back for the next test, and then one one is gone. One has just disappeared. And so when with her, and she was talking to me about it, I wanted her to know she was not alone with this occurrence because this is something that I've been knowing about and tracking for over 30 years. But just recently, in the last, I'd say, 10 years, there seems to be more conversation about it. People are coming up and talking about it. They're not. They're not afraid to talk about it. Let me put it that way. I feel like that something has released a lot of us on the planet, so that our truth, when we say it, we will not get persecuted for it. And I think we know that. Although persecution is still probably running in a lot of people's records, I do want to say that something has happened on this planet where persecution doesn't have the play that it used to have. 
Don't you feel that, Danielle? Yes, and thankfully so. Yeah, thankfully so, yeah. So there's a chapter um, in the book called The First Activation, and what is that about? Um, So the first activation is a chapter that Sam describes an experience where she was nine years old and had to have her tonsils removed. And she was adamant that she did not want the surgery. Something felt really wrong about it. But being a child, her parents made this decision for her. And after surgery, she ended up with severe post-operative hemorrhaging. She was vomiting all this blood. And she had to be rushed back for emergency surgery. And during the process of everybody scrambling to get her ready for her second surgery, she noticed this cloaked figure that was in the room beside her, waving his hands over her and speaking these incantations she couldn't understand. And then she was given another round of anesthesia. She came out of surgery and asked everybody if they'd seen this figure. She wanted to know who it was, and no one else had seen it. Um, And she strongly felt that it had been some sort of E.T. sent in a critical life-or-death moment to help ensure that she made it through. I'm sure that's right because she she has been in several situations where they came in and and assisted her. I was so sorry that they couldn't assisted her to keep her alive to you know complete this book and to do what she needed to do with it. But for some reason, she was she was called uh, you know home. So we can't go back and say well what if. Although at times I do that and I know you do too. But. Um, Let's talk a little bit more about missing time, because she had a lot of missing time. I mean, I don't remember how many occurrences. I knew there was just tons of missing time. And she was she was uh, writing it down, and she was keeping track of it. So give us a little bit of information about some of the missing time ep- episodes. Um, well, I uh, recall reading in the book around the time she was about 21, She was, it was just a normal night. She was getting ready to head over to her boyfriend's house. She was on the phone with them. She hung up, walked out to her car. And as she opened the door, she looked up and saw this bright light that filled the sky overhead. And she described it as enormous. And she couldn't tell where it began, where it ended. It just filled up the whole sky. And she said she looked at it for about 15 seconds. It went away. She got in the car. And she drove to her boyfriend's house. And when she got there, he was furious. She was so inconsiderate, and how dare she not, you know, let him know she was going to be late. And she was extremely confused, but apparently she had been missing for two hours. She was two hours late for dinner, and she doesn't know anything that happened between opening the car door, seeing the light, and driving to his house. Right. And that's happened to a lot of people. I I hear a lot of stories about, oh, you can't imagine how mad everybody was when I walked in and, and when I tried to tell them that I had no memory of anything they, you know, it it always gives those of us that have these experiences, I'm sure, a funny look on our face when somebody actually says, well, don't you know where you've been? No. <laughs> of course, no we're no, sometimes. So, yes. Uh, now, Samantha talks a lot in the book about being implanted uh, with, with um, ET implants. Uh, is there anything you can share with us about her... Um, conversations that she had with with you or with me or with anyone talking about implants? Um, well, as somebody who has had a strange implant cut out of my leg and there was a little metal fragment in it, uh, I, I'm a true believer that implants are a very real thing. Um, but Samantha's description of it was interesting. Uh, she, she told me that she remembered a being, I mean, in one of her situations where she's surrounded by these beings, one of the beings um, 
asked her for her hand, and she felt like she didn't have much choice because she was outnumbered and a little overpowered. So she put her hand, you know, lifted her hand, palm up, and handed it to this being. And he grabbed a little pen-like device with this laser on the on the end, and he touched her hand with it, and she felt like something shot into her. And she screamed and looked down at her hand, and there was no mark or no evidence of anything having been implanted. Um, but what was fascinating to her was the following day, she ended up with this really, really intense um, pain in her rectum. And she likened it to, you know, kind of jokingly, like the infamous anal probing. But it was a pain that lasted for an entire year. And the one major change in her physiology is she always had a very predictable menstrual cycle. It came at the same time of day, at the same day every month. And after this implant, you know, experience, her, her period was no longer the same. It completely shifted that for her. Is that when she started having physical pregnancies that would disappear? Is that about the time that would happen? I, I believe it's it's a similar time, yes. Yeah. Well, I don't have the time element on how long the pregnancies last. Um, I can't remember now uh, how many how many years this went on. Do you have any clue of how many years she she was um, hosting these babies that were going aboard ship and being hybrids? I feel like it was a vast majority of her reproductive years. Um, she began menstruating really early in life, and the dreams of she had reoccurring dreams of these um, babies that she would give birth to, having not realized she was pregnant, and always feeling distraught that she had to be separated from them. Uh, and it was probably one of her most reoccurring dreams was, was delivering these babies. And some were kind of gray, little, almost monstrous-looking old men creatures, and some were plump humanoid, you know, bright blue eyes. But, you know, there were there were many, many babies, and she kind of describes this as being kind of a, a lifelong experience for her. I know that in the book she talks about seeing um, a, a famous um, celebrity aboard craft and having interactions with celebrity, and that's part of the story, of, of which I'm not really going to say who it was at this point. People, if they get the book, they can read it. But it was so profound, uh, the way that it was presented to her, that I think that was part of her wanting to um, get very serious about writing this book when she started having these particular experiences with, with people that she knew on the planet, but then she'd see them aboard ship. And I think that was a very big jumping off place for her to make the decision, I have got to, I have got to write about this because this could be happening to other people and, and they need to know how this works. And I think that was her whole sole purpose of of, of encountering the, the the different um celebrities that she was encountering aboard ship, don't you think? I do think. And I find it really fascinating that her her oldest biological human son um was a, a couple years old and at one point, you know, she claimed she didn't necessarily follow this particular musician too closely. Every now and then she'd kinda of check in on what was happening in his life. You know, there was a picture of him up on screen, and her two-year-old son walks in and points to the screen and pauses and says, Daddy, me want. Like, he somehow recognized, and I remember being completely blown to, blown away when she told me about this story. Well, yeah, um, that was one of the first things she ever told me at, when I first met her years ago. I said, oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, this, this uh, hybrid experimentation is going way, way far. And I, and I knew it at the time when I heard it. So um, there's a chapter in the book called Fifty Shades of Alien Gray. <laughs> <laughs> I have to look at that. 
It's called When Failure to Discern Destroys. So what is that chapter about? Um, Sam talks about her interactions with a woman who was known for speaking about my lab experiments, the military abduction. And when she met with this woman, she instantly felt like something was off. Um, and she kind of wanted to leave, but she felt like she couldn't even get out of her chair, like she was being held there by unexplainable forces. And as the lady was talking, she was more interested in talking than listening to any of Sam's um, experiences. And out of nowhere, there seemed to be this really intense light that showed up behind this lady. And it was almost blindingly bright. Sam was trying to cover her eyes to shield herself. And when she finally got away from this lady and back home, she ended up with a severe, severe migraine right where her third eye is. And Sam wasn't somebody to be plagued by headaches. This was not a common thing for her. But the light sensitivity that came along with it, I mean, her entire vision was affected for, I want to say, like three weeks. And she eventually had a clearing session done with somebody and, and, and kind of shifted it all. But she realized, I mean, it was a huge lesson in how serious the lack of discernment can be. She almost lost her vision completely, and she felt like it was um, part of uh, interference in trying to keep her from publishing this book. Yeah, I felt that at the time. At, at that time, yeah, that was a. She, she really has um, gone the the very last mile of star seed activations, to, uh, talking about what happens with hybrids aboard ship. About so many different aspects of her story are are so timely right now. I say timely because I've been hearing so much about these stories for so long. There's some people that are writing about it, but it's it's almost like she Samantha is giving permission to others to step forward with their stories. That's kind of what I feel is going to happen once Samantha's book gets out there in in more, you know, UFO circles or some of the metaphysical um uh, planes of existence. I feel like this is only the tip of the iceberg. I really do feel that. I would agree with you. And she, I mean, she has some fascinating experiences of, you know, many ET pregnancies or hybrid pregnancies, but she also has some unexplainable human pregnancies in, you know, in physical form. And I actually think I met Samantha um, years before you connected the two of us. She and her husband had been at a point in their relationship where there wasn't a whole lot of physical intimacy, or none, to be more accurate. And one day while he was driving between Sedona and Flagstaff, there was this low-sized rock that fell through the windshield and hit him in the lap. And that night, something shifted, and they ended up making passionate love. But he wasn't able to climax. Like, there was something, he felt like something was being extracted from him. So they stopped. The next morning, they kind of had another go at it, and again, he had to stop because of pain, so he never ejaculated inside of her, and this is the one day they had sex in, you know, six months or something, so a few weeks later, you know, she had she had a couple bizarre dreams in the, in the interim, but a few weeks later, she went to the doctor, and sure enough, she was actually pregnant, so the doctor did an ultrasound. They measured everything. Everything measured right on for the date of her conception, and because she'd had some gynecological issues, the doctor scheduled a follow-up ultrasound in like eight days. And I'm 99.9% confident that she was scheduled at the clinic I worked at in Flagstaff because um, I measured this pregnancy. And instead of measuring seven weeks where it should have been, uh, she was measuring 11 weeks. And, you know, fetuses are tiny. You think that's not a big difference. But a, a seven-week fetus is going to measure like less than a centimeter, maybe, you know, 
eight millimeters or something, and an 11-week fetus is going to be over an inch. And there's a huge difference in the developmental stages of the limbs and the brain and everything else. Um, and I remember her being adamant, like, no, I just had a scan last week. I know when I conceived, it's the only day I conceived. And I remember being just as adamant that, look, at this is what I see. I can't, you know, I can't make this up. And in the book, she talks about wishing she could have said something about, like, look, this is, you know, I got pregnant through my husband by ETs, and this is not a normal pregnancy. And she didn't feel like she could have shared that with me. But if she only had, we would have had great conversations because I've had many of my own unexplainable pregnancy experiences. Uh, and a lot of women have them. It's like I, I don't want the women listening to this to feel alone with their, their circumstances with hybrids. You know, find people that will be able to help you understand more about how it works, what the purpose of it is. You know, you, you know I think that the, the best um, thing that can happen with this particular oddity on the planet is for people to step out of the shadows of it and just hit it with a light and just try to find the best and the most positive thing that can happen from these experiences. Instead of being scared or being thrown into negative space with it, there's got to be some positive energy that comes from this. If not, then what's the point? That's very true. Well, Samantha's book definitely helped normalize a lot of my own experiences, and I'm grateful for, for, for yeah. that. So I know that we have a lot of people on the switchboard. I know that, that Laura's there and maybe Valerie, and they helped you uh, with the book. And, and, of course, Laura has written the screenplay. So, uh, Arielle, I'd like to pass it over to you now and um, continue the the interview because there are several people that would like to probably come on and speak to Danielle. And those of you that have known Samantha and want to say anything, please come on and uh, and give us your feelings about our dear sister that has left the planet, okay? So back to you, Arielle. Okay, so um, we actually do have um, a caller ready to go. So, um, Danielle, you're going to be speaking with Diane, so let me get your mic open, sweetie. Okay. Okay. Um, Diane, you're on the air with Danielle, so go ahead with your question. Oh, hi. Hi, Danielle. Hi. Hi, Diane. Hi. I just had to um, just say how synchronistic this all is that just for the past week I have been feeling, you know, now is the time, too. I'm um, in my late 50s, also part of the hybrid project. I have three kids in their late 20s, one of which is semi-aware of his own contacts. And um, it's just that one extra thing that needs to be completed, I feel, because we were all a part of this. So what is the next step? And I literally had just put this out the other day saying that I am ready to meet my hybrid children and help with what that next step is. And I, I just happened to come upon your email. I knew I needed to listen to the show. And um, I just really wanted to thank you for continuing her work. Well, thank you, Diane. I definitely would recommend you read the book because there's yes. so much information on there that I can't I can't even come close to sharing on yes. on, on the air here. Yeah. But thank you for calling in and for coming forth with your own story. Yeah, and it's true. There just must be so many people that it's just something you never really talk about to a select few family members that may be aware of what you've been talking about, but not really truly understanding it. So it, it would be nice to um, just 
bridge that gap and just make that next step of whatever is to come of this. Absolutely. Well, we need a, a sister of uh, a circle, sister, a circle of sisters to get together and share our experiences <laughs> because we all yeah. help each other. Yeah. So thank you. Well, thank you for calling in, Diane. All right. Okay. Keep up the good work. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Diane. Bye right, bye. Thank you. Bye. So, uh, Danielle, uh, before we um, continue here, I just want to um, let everyone know if you're already on the switchboard and you want to make a comment or have a question, just press 1 on your keypad so that we know you want to come on. And if you are listening on the computer, then just pick up the phone and dial 917-889-8292. And then once you're in, press 1. And we'll get get you squared away to come and talk to Danielle. So um, while we're, we've got another another person now with a question, and as soon as they are um, done with the producers, then we will um, bring that person on. So um, when when uh, did the book come out? Um, the book was published a little over maybe a month, two months ago. Um, it was put out on Amazon, and we've just been waiting for an opportunity to get the word out there that uh, that it's ready to be purchased. Wow, that's great. Do you know um, what day in December it was launched? I have it up on Amazon right now, so let me cheat and peek because I don't remember the exact day. Um, and I'm not sure that it's going to tell me on here. It's, oh, it was published November 16, 2019. November 16th. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think that was intentional. Yeah, that was an intentional yeah. release date. Yeah, yeah, a Pleiadian lineup. So, yep. yeah, I, and something uh, yeah, something was just telling me that um that that book was released released with um deliberate timing. So, um all the more special. <laughs> so, let me see if our um next caller is done. Okay, so you are going to be talking to Valerie, and I'm gonna get your mic open, Valerie. Okay. Hello. You're on. You're on the air with Danielle. So go ahead with your uh, question or comment. Hi, Danielle. Hi, I Hi Valerie. I call in. <laughs> Thank you um, for calling in. Uh, I just want to let everybody know Valerie was a huge part of this project. It would not be at the stage it's at without her help because she has a far better understanding of the English language than I do, and she did a final edit on this book and caught things that the previous editors had missed. So thank you so much, Valerie, for your contribution. Um, no, th thank you for allowing me to uh, be part of such a big project. Um, I want to share a little bit about my experience with this book. Um, when you, um, and, you know, I think there's as much as there was a little bit of, you know, reluctance or realizing how big this project was with you, I felt the same when um, I was asked to come on and edit this book. And um, what I ended up doing, just because I wanted to treat this with um, with the high integrity that it um, it carries, I went into meditation and actually asked um, Sam. I had not met Sam um, when she was alive uh, on this planet. I did not um, hear about Sam until a, 
uh, you were working on this pro- on this project. And so I asked them, I said, would it be okay, I was just asked to edit your book, would it be okay if I take part in this? And um, the next day she came to me, um, that was probably um, the first, she was the first person that I saw in spirit come to me in my third eye, and she says, um, it, I got startled at first, and she was very patient. Um, once I got my bearing, I um, I asked who she was, and she said that she was Sam. And I said, okay, the Sam? And she says, yes. And and she said that um, she came in response to my um, to my question and that she would be honored that I uh, edited this book uh, for her and help you along your mission. And she – and I've seen um, – and I've seen her and felt her a few more times uh, while I was uh, editing this book and a couple of times when I was um, struggling. And I was like, is this really what you meant? And, you know, the awareness came to me. And so it was actually a really powerful uh, communication connection that I really had not expected to experience while um, working on this book. She's way of doing that. <laughs> uh, yes, I can see that. Um, and I thought one of the things that was interesting. So the reason, so how, and, and I think um, one of the callers we, uh, prior to this was asking about the next step. And one of the things, um, about a week after Sam came to me, I had a dream where I was actually aboard ship, and I was. Uh, and I had met somebody um, that I, who's a friend uh, here on this planet that I met, and she told me, hey, I'm pregnant, and in real life she wasn't. And yeah. um, and she said, oh, you know, look, I'm, I'm pregnant, and I'm, I'm about to give birth, and, you know, she was really excited, and she was telling me about what she was doing, and I said, wait, you're pregnant? She said, yeah, and then she told me a little bit about the hybrid project, and next thing I know, a nurse, and I've um, from the back, she looked like she was um, an ET being. She took um, my friend back, and then she says, "Okay, well, I'm going to give birth now." And the next thing I know, I you know I wake up the next day. So then I called her up and I said, "You're never going to believe what happened. I had a dream about you, um, and you were pregnant, and we were on board ship." And then she goes, "Hmm, there is something I want to tell you." And so she told me the story and that she had. Um, been on this project and she had just um given birth on ship the night before so i thought the synchronicities are just you know you can't make something like that up so i thought it was interesting and then i asked myself if i was also a hybrid um or a breeder sorry and i um was so the answer came that i was not however i would be um on the mission to help bring these um, hybrid children in and help um, balance the home life and, um, you know, galactic and 3D integrate all that they're coming in with, um, within and help process and integrate everything within this um, density. So, I'm really so you're kind of that. like a galactic uh, midwife or a doula of sorts. You can you can yeah. tell me that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, thank you, Valerie. This this really wouldn't be where it is at without your help and I truly appreciate it and I know Samantha does too.
Yes, and thank you. You're most welcome. I was very uh, honored to be on this project, so thank you. Okay, well, thank you so much, okay. Valerie, and we love you, and um, thank you for your contribution and for calling in. Okay, <laughs> thank you. Bye. Okay, <laughs> bye-bye. All right, uh, well, we have uh, yet another caller, so let me get your mic open. You're going to be talking to Laura. Okay. And Okay, the mic is open. Go ahead, Laura. You're on the air with Danielle. Hi, Danielle. Hello, Laura. How are you? <laughs> I'm a little under the weather, actually, but um, otherwise okay. Oh, well, I hope you feel better soon. Um, Laura, you. just so everybody else knows, um, I, I passed on, once the book was finished being edited, uh, or with the editing process, I passed it on to Laura. And Laura is a screenplay writer, and she read through the seed and agreed to do an adaptation, which is... Uh, in second draft currently, or where are we at on yes. that? Yes, second draft, um, and uh, Valerie is gracious enough to edit that, ad edit that as well. She's amazing like that. Um, did, what was your experience in working with, with Sam's material? Oh, my goodness. Um, well, when I first got the manuscript from you, um, I remember holding it up to my... Um, my uh, solar plexus area and it, it, it ignited my sacral chakra, my solar plexus and my heart chakra. And then um, I, I made a copy and I took it home and, um, and I had a, a visceral experience to that experience you were describing earlier where she had a botched um, the adenoid uh, surgery and uh, I ended up having to go <laughs> throw, uh, throw up because of it. <laughs> and oh. so, uh, yeah, it was pretty intense, and then um, I, so I read it through the first time and let it be, and then I read it through a second time and took copious notes, and then just um, um, while I was in the uh, process of writing the screenplay, uh, my guides came to me and they said, um, "Sam, uh, pay attention. Sam is going to come and talk to you." And I was like, "Oh my gosh!" I was really honored and. Um, I had no no idea it was coming, but then she she came and her presence was really loving, really really high vibration, and she just was very uh, uh, very grateful that um, that uh, I was working on this and, and helping it go forward. And I I I so look forward to seeing it on the big screen. I have no doubt it will happen, and hopefully somebody yeah. out there is hearing this and, and feels uh, called to kind of help propel this next step of the project, because you've done a lot of yeah. hard work in getting this screenplay. I read it, and it is amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah, I'm 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 happy um, and proud to be a part of the the, the team to get this um, promoted and out there because I know it's going to help. So it's already helping so many people and I know it will help so many more. Well, it's, it's very honorable for you to give your time the way you have because you put so much energy into this. My pleasure. Thank you. And thank you for, for recruiting me. <laughs> <laughs> My pleasure. I knew I found the right person. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you for calling in, Laura, and I look forward to watching this uh, next stage evolve. Uh, me too, sister. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Bye. Okay. Have a wonderful day. Thanks, evening. Laura. Bye-bye. Thank you.
So um, I, so I don't think we have any more callers at this moment, but if you have a comment or a question, uh, please feel free to call in, or if you're already on the switchboard, like I said, just press 1, and uh, we'll get you ready to come on the air. But now, Danielle, I know that um, you have had similar experiences in your own life, and uh, would you like to to share some of the the common ground that you uh, and Sam have had? Um, I guess what I could relate to most was uh, I always I always called them like dream state or dreams, uh, recollections of being aboard ship because I knew no other way to describe it. Very clinical kind of setting, very sterile. Um, and on a many occasions after these dreams, I would wake up with a very inflated abdomen, um, looking like I was you know five six months pregnant. And it wasn't just the, 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 the physical appearance. I had the sensation that there was some sort of energy with me. And it would last about two weeks. And then I would wake up one morning and it would be completely gone. So I'm not sure the duration of Pam's, uh, I'm sorry, Sam's hybrid pregnancies, but I do, um, I do know that mine were usually a couple weeks and, and they were undeniably something. That's all I can say. Oh, I mean, that must be really hard. I mean, did you have to, like, stay in the house so no one would see and say, what is going on? I mean, um, I mean, there's got to be some uh, some trepidation about, you know, being a part of this and still trying to, you know, maintain your, um, your human outward appearance. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's, and people see you yesterday and you look – one way and then they see you tomorrow and you look like you're five months pregnant that's that's kind of hard to explain it is hard to explain fortunately um i work i work from home and um i stay in most of the time i don't venture out too often but i also have learned how to dress to uh you know to kind of hide and minimize when it does occur um but it's 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 pretty it's pretty noticeable and i think the hardest part is um, in some of my intimate relationships, it's not always easy to explain these things because people aren't ready to hear it. So there have been times where I am looking quite pregnant and, you know, in a in a intimate moment, you just having to say I ate gluten or something to explain the extreme bloating because there's no other way to try and um, pass it <laughs> off, I guess. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I'm, I remember the, the, the story uh, Lavender had told um, – a couple of times already on the on the radio, <clears throat> excuse me, about a friend of hers who um, would be you know pregnant, go to the store, and people, how are you feeling today? And then then the next day she'd go, and she wasn't pregnant anymore. Um, I mean, it's got to put you through a lot of um, you know different emotions and and you know trying to trying to be and look human. Uh, but knowing that you're you're really you're not you're not um part of the uh, the normal what people think is normal human life yeah there's definitely an emotional component to me um i i wasn't always connected to you know the essence of whatever energy was with me but there were a few occasions where i was really clear i had names that came to me very clearly i could tell you know the energies were male or female 
And there was always a sense of loss when it was gone because it was just kind of like having a really awesome, you know, um, buddy with you that just vanishes overnight. And then suddenly the, the connection has, uh, has disappeared and you're left feeling a little lonely. And there's some grief that comes with it, too. It's kind of confusing. Oh, I can I can only imagine, but that's yeah because certainly if 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 a child is is you know a hybrid child they're going to be carrying just an enormous amount of light energy, and that's that's got to be just you know thrilling to be in contact with, and then and then it, it's it, just it gone. Is. It is <laughs> thrilling, and there was one um, one experience that that stands out a lot to me. I would go to bed every night, and I would dream of this baby this essence and I would wake up in the morning with songs in my head and and I'm not a composer by any means I I can kind of play a little bit of a few different instruments but I'd have to sit down at the piano until I could play out the tune and eventually this whole song evolved in this two-week period Um, it's and I've never really done anything with it but it, it is something that I can still play and kind of still feel connection to the intensity of that energy and that being oh it's almost like they left you a gift to to remember them by they did they did it's beautiful and you know my kids had to listen to me you know fumble to put it together but they're like oh you're playing your song again mom (laughs) so kind (laughs) of cute oh um well let's see i I was i was just looking on the on the switchboard we had um had a caller that i'm not finding right now so um i think it was lynn Oh, so maybe, yeah. Um, I don't see her here. So we do have um, another caller who just wanted to um, make a comment. So let me get uh, the the microphone open. Okay. Okay. Hi, Thea. Thanks for calling in. Um, Hi, Ariel. Hi, Lavender. Much respect to you, and of course, thank you for giving. This book, Airtime, I think it's a it's a monumentous book to for star seeds to read. I'm on chapter eight, and more importantly, I just wanted to pay my respects to Samantha. I think she was um, how can I say it a stellar star seed, and anyone who had the opportunity to know her knew that. And so, with just joy of seeing her pictures go across the screen, I'm just very thankful. Very touched. Thank you, Thea. Uh, thank you for saying that. And, and yes, um, Sam touched a lot of people in her short life. And I'll take my comment off the air. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. Okay. So, um is there anything else that you would like to talk about, either from the book or from your own experiences? Um, I I don't really have anything uh, at the at the moment. Okay. Well, I think uh, I'm I'm going through. We have a lot of people on the switchboard, like twice as many as normal. So I'm just keep scrolling up and down here to make sure that. Uh, but I'm not missing anyone with a question. So um, the last call for questions, um, everyone, uh, if you're already on the switchboard, just press 1 or dial 917-889-8292 and then press 1 after you're in. Uh, 
Okay. Yeah, I think that's it's about it. So um, what is next for you, Danielle? Um, well, I am waiting for the next uh, assignment in my mission here. I'm, I'm not really sure what's coming up. Um, I did want to comment, though, on Anastasia's mention of the lower body temperature and the lower blood pressure, because I run about 96.6, and every time I get my blood pressure taken, um, they always ask me if I'm feeling okay, because it's like 90 over 60. It's really low. Yeah, that, I think that could be um, a, a starseed trait, um, because I've I've had, you know, similar um you know, being being cold most of the time, uh, you know, just always having to have a sweater. Um, so, I, I do think that that is a a, a common thing among star seeds. And I'm glad yeah. that you're just you know you're open, and and waiting. And certainly after this this huge um, uh, achievement in in getting Sam's book um, edited, published, released. Um, you do need to kind of step back and just rest and and relax and know that you've done a wonderful job. You fulfilled a promise. You kept your word. And um, I know that that Samantha is just, she's glowing. She's she's so happy she's glowing. Well, thank you, Ariel. That means a lot to me. Yeah. The book, the book can help so many because there's, as you said, there's there are things in the book that we can't really talk about on the air, but I know that so many people are going to really relate and and find out that they're not alone. Yes. And yes. this, I mean, this is a much more common thing than than one would think. It is it so, is quite common. The more I share this, the more, you know, I've talked about this, this book project. I've had a lot of my friends who, um, some who aren't necessarily even in the, the Starseed uh, hotline network, um, have come forth with their own encounters and their experiences. And it's, it's pretty it's pretty amazing. And it just, it helps me feel a little more at home here on Earth. Yeah. Well, you know, like, like I was saying earlier, um, we have a, a, a vantage point. Uh, a, a global vantage point that um, is because of what we do, and, and you know, being being online for coming up on 11 years, uh, the radio show is 10, um, and there are there are just so many people that are waking up, and <laughs> I just I just have this vision of like a stampede. Of star seeds, they're waking up and they're and they're running to 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 find answers and and understanding, and and we get to see this the the activation of these star seeds is, I mean, it was steady and building for years and years, and then just all of a sudden, it's like it reached 55 critical mass, or or the you know or the federation has just turned up the volume. It's like, all right, everybody, wake up now. Uh, because, I mean, if you listen to, you know, the news from Anastasia every week, you can really see that the entire planet is in, is in labor pains as, as the planet herself is about to deliver um, a, a new um, earth and um, 
you know, higher frequencies, and the star seeds are working in concert to to help anchor the light and to raise the frequency on the planet. So it's it's all coming together, and it's just it's a beautiful thing to witness as the you know as the planet is really you know I mean there's volcanoes and earthquakes and fires and droughts and floods and everything going on all at the same time and in parallel to that star seeds are waking up i mean we get we get um clients from all over the world i i don't know that there's any country that we haven't had at least one person um you know contact us so it's it's a demonstration of a planetary awakening and it's going to be a lot more people sharing similar situations. You know, the whole, oh, me too. It's becoming <laughs> much, it's becoming much um, more common uh, in people's conversations. So it's, it's, a, it's just a wonderful thing to witness. Yeah, well, I, I found you guys probably on your third episode of Blog Talk Radio, and I've been you know following you guys for many, many years, and I've watched the growth, and, and it's amazing to know that there's more and more family out there and more and more people waking up. Oh, yeah, and you know, the, the thing that, I mean, just on, on, on January 2nd, the second day of the Teton meetings, it was like it was like the dam broke <laughs> and and i mean there's just person after person after person after person and that them in the whole week um there were like over 100 that found their way here and wow. and as i was looking back and reflecting you know in july uh when the when the, the summertime teton meetings were um going on there was another um like uptick in in the volume of star seeds wanting to know, you know, where am I from? What's my mission? And I'm wondering if if that, you know, if there if there were something um that happened at the at the Tetons that instigated all of this activity. So yeah, it's it's a beautiful thing and we're really um we're really focused now on on getting more astrologers cha- uh, trained because there are so many star seeds waking up and and we're going to have similar stories from from similar people in different walks of life all knowing that they're part of something huge and wonderful yeah. Well, what you guys do is incredibly empowering. I was explaining to somebody very close to me that having um my markings read and knowing what masterships I came in uh, with uh, really empowered me to be able to stand forward and, and step out and do things I'd never done, public speaking and you know publishing books. This is all supposed to be second nature to me. And I probably wouldn't be working on Sam's book or have taken the time to work on it if I didn't realize that was something that, that I could do pretty naturally. All right. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's there in your chart uh, because you chose that chart. So you chose one that that facilitated what you came here to do, and it just it just took you know uh, one of us to kind of draw the lines and hook up the dots, and then you've run with it all on your own. So 
well done. <laughs> well, well done. Well, thank you guys for your service. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we're we're all wingtip to wingtip. So um, I don't think we're going to have any more any more callers. So uh, I'd like to just kind of wrap it up and once more tell everyone the book is entitled The Seed. And I think there isn't there a subtitle, the, the synchronicity um, of a cosmic dance with synchronicity. A cosmic dance with synchronicity, and it is on Amazon, and on our show page, um, I I published the link, but it's it's like you know 50 characters long. So just go to Amazon and and type in the seed by Samantha Lynn, and um, and get the book. Share it with your friends and and help Samantha's words reach the masses. So um, I thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing this and doing what you have already done and what you will do um, in years and days to come. So thanks so much for that. Well, thank you for having me on and for allowing me to be part of this project. Oh, it's our pleasure, Danielle. So you take care, and for everyone else listening, uh, remember in every single day you have a choice to show compassion and kindness, and that's your door to the fifth dimension. So count your blessings and live in gratitude. Until two weeks from tonight... Good night, everyone. You've been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com. 